Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Ahí va a llegar el gol del Arsenal Ophil. Marca Mesut Ophil. Bellerín, otro defensor, otro disparo, Monreal, gol. Marca el futbolista español, marca Nacho Monreal. Pim, pam, pum. This is Arscast Extra. Hello and welcome to another Arscast Extra. As always, with James from Gunner Blog. James, goodly evening to you. Goodly evening. Very sophisticated, isn't it? I, I like recording them late. You can have a you can have a glass of wine when you're doing your podcast. You can do. I don't have a glass of wine though. Unfortunately, I just got a bottle of uh, like fizzy water, which is a bit disappointing. Mm. But hey, I had some. I've got an orangina. I don't want you to think that I'm getting ahead of myself here. I've got an orangina okay. too. But you know, we could have a glass of wine. That's the point, Andrew. That is the point. Yeah, we're not gonna because we're professional, and that's some, not something we would ever do. Is get drunk during a podcast. Uh, <laughs> No, <laughs> we would. We Not would in never. Europe. We would never do that in Europe. No, we need to put a bit of distance between ourselves and uh, and everything in order to do that. Um, so, how are you? Look, I think I should uh, offer condolences. Uh, people who will follow you on Twitter will have seen the news uh, that your grandfather died last week. Um, but he was um, reading what you posted about him. He was a remarkable man, James. Yeah, he really was. I mean, uh, I must say thank you. I, I posted a thing on uh, Twitter and I had so many kind well wishes from listeners to this podcast and people who follow me, so thank you for that. But, yeah, I mean, I, I, I will mention it because it is an extraordinary life that he lived. He was a, a middleweight boxer. He was champion of the world. Um, and he, he, he went on to be an actor. He was a bookmaker. He just had this absolutely extraordinary life. Terry Downs was his name. Mm. I mean, who would have thought that anyone related to me could go into fights and come out well. It's well, hard to believe, isn't it? It is a little bit. I mean, he did some acting, so clearly that's the part of uh, <laughs> of him that you got and not the pugilist. Well, I hope not because I've seen him act and to be honest, <laughs> I think he got those parts <laughs> on the back of his celebrity rather than any actual ability. Um, he was a, a better fighter than he was an actor, let's put it like that. Okay. But, yeah, I mean, such an extraordinary character i mean uh, you know in his final days we were visited by a lot of people in hospital some brilliant stories one time he was driving away from the gym in covent garden with his mate and he said oh fancy going to see the queen and his mate just thought he was joking and he just drove the up to buckingham palace the gates happened to be open he d- he drove right up to the palace and started doing donuts in the drive and uh, <laughs> fortunately the police recognized him and were like look you need to you need to leave here um this is not appropriate but i mean i feel like if you did that these days you'd do well to not be assassinated he, he was he wasn't scared of much particularly authority and yeah, a life well lived. So uh, I just want to say, uh, you know, obviously rest in peace, Terry Downs, my grandfather, and thank you so much for all those all those kind wishes from the listeners. I really appreciate it. Yeah, I mean, he beat Sugar Ray Robinson, um, one of the most famous boxers in the world. I know uh, Sugar Ray Sugar Ray was a little bit older, but I mean, still a yeah. remarkable thing to get in the ring with a man like that and come out the winner. 
Yeah, I mean, no one would be... I haven't inherited those genes, let's put it like that, but <laughs> the, the, the nicest thing I could say about him is that he did beat Sugar Ray and it was towards the end of Sugar Ray's career and uh, my grandfather came out after the fight and said, I, I didn't beat Sugar Ray, I beat his ghost. And that was very much sort of typical of him really he was he had a lot of ability but he was he could be humble with it too and yeah. he treated everybody the same you know if they were a bus driver or if they were a royalty or the queen he, he was uh, the, exactly yeah i mean he 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 was a cockney boy from paddington and he never he never lost that really he never lost sight of who he was and so he was a big inspiration to me and uh yeah, I'm very sad to to lose him, but I'm I'm more proud of the life that he lived. It is a hell of a tale, and there's a, a good uh, obituary that I tweeted out uh, a few days ago. So check it out on my timeline if you have any interest or if you're a fan of boxing. All right, well, condolences again. Um, Thank you. Uh, just while we're recording this tonight, oh, geez, we're watching... Uh, <laughs> I'm sitting here watching a bit of Ireland versus Wales, and a Welsh guy has just got absolutely clobbered here. It's nil-nil in that game so far. Uh, an important uh, game in World Cup qualifiers for Ireland. Um, Joe Allen. I feel Allen. like you never get too too excited about the, the Irish national team. Are you invested in this one? It's a big game. Yeah, it's a big game, but not really. You know, it's I've got enough to worry about with Arsenal, to be honest, to to <laughs> instill any emotion whatsoever in, in Ireland. If they win, great. And if they go to the World Cup, then it makes it a bit more interesting. But I can't get... Uh, I can't get emotional about it. I just, I just can't. Um, I suppose that's true of many people in terms of international football as well. I know some people love it. Some people um, uh, absolutely, absolutely live for international football and their uh, and their country. But for me, it's just well, they win, they win. If they don't, oh well, you know. Uh, I mean, do you even do you almost feel? I mean, Wales have got the Arsenal player. At the end of the day, is there yeah. any kind of pull there for you? Um, Would you like to see Aaron Ramsey go to the World Cup? Uh, yeah, I don't care about that really either. Uh, he could have a nice, <laughs> he could have a nice summer off. But you know, in fairness, there's I actually noticed a question about that from one of our listeners, which we might get into in the questions part. But um, well, fair play, you know, no, just about uh, you know, are you ever more favourably disposed to an international team that's not your own because because of Arsenal players in it? Like, did everybody enjoy seeing France win the World Cup in? 98 with um mm. you know with Vieira and Petit I think so uh, and down the years Thierry Henry uh, doing well for them I have to say I've always from a an international point of view had a really soft spot for Holland because the first mm. the first football I can really remember is the 1978 World Cup and I remember being devastated that Argentina won the final I, I watched it uh, it was on quite late at night I think and I was only eight seven or eight uh, at that point, and uh, I remember being very, very unhappy that that Argentina had beaten Holland, um, and I don't know why it was, you know, it was Holland. Maybe I just like the color orange. I don't know, which maybe you're not supposed to as an it's Irishman. A good color, yeah, it is. <laughs> it is a good color, <laughs> but, <laughs> uh, but yeah, yeah. So we'll see how this goes. We'll keep you up to date on this one um, if there's any score in the Ireland uh, Wales game. But you know who I met today, Liam Brady. I saw on Instagram. Mm. I mean, how did that come about? What was the circumstances? Well, I produce a podcast uh, for a, a man called Eamon Dunphy, who is a, a TV pundit here, a writer, an ex-footballer. Uh, some might say a controversial figure at times with his uh, opinions about football, but he does a podcast called The Stand and he uses my studio in, in Dublin City Centre uh, to record it in. And, uh, you know, he comes in with guests. We've had Liam on the podcast many times, but he's always been on the phone. 
own. Uh, but today, because this game was on uh, and Liam is working for RTE tonight, Irish television, he was in town. So we had Eamon and Liam in the in the studio and uh, we had a little bit of a chat about Arsenal. He said to me, uh, I'll, I'll come in and talk to you about Arsenal at some point this season. Um, you know, I said, well, cool, let me know. He said, oh, we'll wait and see where we are around Christmas. But And I'm not going to sort of tell tales out of school, but he wasn't terribly optimistic about the season ahead from an, uh, from an Arsenal point of view. He's a is bit he worried. Still, is he still working at the club in some capacity? I know he came back to help out with the academy at some stage, was it last year? Is he, is he, still, is he still there, still doing no, stuff there? No, I think he finished with the club in May. No. He did have an ambassadorial role, but I think he's now working for a football agency. I think we did a story on it last week. He's working for an agent, uh, which I think they specialise in young players. So that was always his, uh, his remit at Arsenal, was the academy and looking after the youth system there. Mm. Um, so he's not, but uh, he was asking me, what's going on, what's happening at Arsenal? I was going, I was, I was hoping you might tell me, but... Uh, seems, <laughs> he seems a little bit removed from it, but he's certainly not that optimistic about what we can do this season. I think it's the 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 situations regarding Ozil and uh, Sanchez are a big worry uh, for him in terms of how they're going to play for the rest of the season and whether they're going to be fit or invested or, or, or committed. Um, so we, we'll have to wait and see. Uh, hopefully, hopefully he's just being a bit... Uh, what's the word? Maybe stealing himself. Cautious. Yeah, cautious. You know, <laughs> yeah. he's, he's stealing himself for what might happen. But yeah, no, it was um, very interesting you know, to sit there and sit beside a man who was the, like the first guy that you ever really idolised as a, as an Arsenal player from very far away. So that you, that was kind of cool. Did you manage to play it cool, or, or were you kind of you know was it obvious your admiration for him? Could you keep it in? Uh, I did keep it in. Yeah, I did. You know, I'm, I'm <laughs> a bit long in the tooth to get too excited, you know. Although, you know, I, I have been known in the past. I've to, seen, I don't know. I've seen you, <laughs> right, yeah, when you're close to Robert Pires, that all goes out the window. Yeah, well, look, that, that's, a different, that's a different thing entirely, I think. That's a different thing. That's true. Um, sure. So it is the, the interlull. Uh, I, I don't think you've seen too much of the football um, over the last few days. From what I believe... England weren't very much worth watching anyway, um, despite no, no. a couple of wins. But I they, actually, go on. Sorry, I, I was going to say I did see um, the England, the first England game, and if you can imagine a way to make England more depressing, I actually watched it in a hospital ward. Oh God! Um, because I was obviously <laughs> there, you know, looking after my grandfather in his final days, and they showed the England game. If he'd been conscious, he would have asked them to turn it off because it was absolutely <laughs> diabolical. <laughs> uh, they were. Awful, and I was just sat there thinking, like, this might be the low point. This is one of the lowest points of my life right now. Watching an England match, watching Gareth Southgate's England, sat in a hospital ward full of patients. But mm. um, and I, yeah, I, I, uh, I didn't see the second game, but I think I don't think I, I missed much in that. Regard. No, I mean, I think it's fair to say that Gareth Southgate has really imprinted his personality on this England team. He stamped himself all over it, yeah. yeah. You know, they are very much a team built in his penalty-shanking image. Um, <laughs> and also, I, I can't really cope with it at the moment because England's best player is Harry Kane and it, he's got the captain's armband, you know, he's scoring the goals. It's it's unbearable, really. I mean, they're playing in white. It's basically like watching Spurs. They've got Deli Alley in there. It's, it, I, I might have to renounce my support. Whoever wins this Wales-Ireland game, I think I'm going to go with them from now on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, you've got Irish blood, so you can... You can co-opt yourself there um, that's, that's true yeah 
That is true. If uh, they get to the World Cup, yeah, they will have one more fan. I think that's the... Uh, maybe someone should tell them that at half-time. They've got my allegiance to play for. Oh, well, goodness. That should inspire them. Uh, Wales have had... I think <laughs> the, the stat just came up there. Wales have had 79% possession in the game. Um, I mean, yeah. that's remarkable. And, it, you know, it's Ireland and Wales. It's not Ireland against Brazil. And Wales, obviously, at home... Uh, but when you look at the quality of the players, you know, the inability of the Irish team to just pass the ball to each other is uh, is unbelievable. But anyway, um, it's... Uh, it is <laughs> yeah, how's Roy Keane looking on the touchlines? Are you looking pleased with proceeding so far? I imagine he's in jovial mood, you know, gaily laughing and smiling with uh, Chris Coleman on the touchline there. Yeah, he's probably just sitting there stroking his beard. I'm not quite sure what Roy Keane does, to be perfectly honest, but... Uh, <laughs> I, I mean, I, I wouldn't say that, job that. Yeah, I wouldn't say it to him. <laughs> no, no, exactly. Yeah, no, don't say that to him. He made some strange comments the other day about concussion. Did you see that? He basically said, "Well, you know, you know when you play football, there's physical risks." And he sort of dismissed the whole subject, which I thought was uh, yeah, yeah. I didn't typical see the, of the man. Really. Yeah, I didn't see the full comments. I know there was some context to them. Uh, that perhaps, you know, there was one quote that went during the rounds that was taken out of context where, uh, you know, it looked like it was worse than it was. But I still think the, the comments were, were pretty questionable, particularly when it, it is an issue, I think, for, for more and more sports, not just football. Obviously, it's one for American football as well, isn't it? And rugby, I guess, down the years. Mm. Um, you know, I think any, any sport where you go head first into another guy uh, is probably bad for you, you know. And it's, I guess, boxing as well is probably not that good for you either. I've always spent, I've had a a, a, a philosophy in life whereby I have I have decided that I do not ever want to be punched in the head, and I certainly don't want to put myself in a position where I'm going to be punched in the head on purpose repeatedly by a guy who's probably bigger than me and maybe better at punching. Um, so I, I avoid those situations as much as I can. I think from a medical perspective, that's that's certainly wise. <laughs> I, I've, I would also like to avoid those kinds of situations, but fate seemingly has other ideas. Um, who knows? Maybe Wales Island will descend into a punch-up. Wasn't it this fixture that got really violent, didn't it, last time round? And poor Seamus Coleman ended up getting his leg broken, as far as I can recall. Was Oh, it was, wasn't it? Who was the... Yeah. Oh, it was the Taylor um, guy or... Jones That's or right, yeah. David's or somebody, any somebody Welsh. Um, <laughs> one of them. One, one of those. Them. It was Tom Jones. He's the only Welshman alive. Um, <laughs> so from an Arsenal point of view, there hasn't been much going on really uh, beyond all the Usmanov Kroenke stuff, which I think we're all bored beyond belief uh, with at this point. So we won't we won't talk about that. But away. Uh, Godran Mustafi looks like he could be in some big trouble. Picked up an injury playing for Germany against Azerbaijan. One of those muscular injuries where it's not like, ooh, ooh, I think I might just have uh, tweaked my hamstring there. It was a full-on collapse to the ground, screamy, oh, bollocks, I've fucked my thigh kind of an injury. Yeah, I'm glad I haven't actually seen any footage of that because those ones, they freak me out a bit. It was, It's like that Francis Cockland one you know, a few weeks ago when his hamstring sort of exploded in midair. I can't really watch those. They make me feel a bit queasy. Well, the Coquelin one is hilarious, though. I'm sorry. <laughs> I, you know, I understand that when you see a player get injured, it's not nice, but the way that Coquelin just sort of was going along and then was leaping through the air, I think he just likes to Salmon-like. jump. like Yeah, I think he likes to jump, Coquelin. You think of all those star jumps and jumpy tackles he he... he 
he puts in. I, you know, um, I think he, he jumps when he celebrates as well, doesn't he? Every Arsenal goal, he's flying in the air. Apart from the ones that he scores. Uh, oh yeah, no, we haven't, we haven't got there. Yet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, but Mustafi. I mean, what what are they saying? What's the the talk? I've seen talk of months potentially as an absence. Yeah, I mean, look, I think when. When a player just tweaks a, a muscle, it's going to be three weeks, right? 21 days, that's what Arsene Wenger says. That's mm-hmm. what we're used to, tweak your hamstring. I remember, I've I mentioned it on the blog, a Lucas Podolski hamstring injury, which saw him out of action for four months. Um, and it was a similar kind of a one where he was going down and then all of a sudden was lying on the ground. Now, he had to be stretchered off Podolski, if I remember correctly. It was a game at the Emirates. Um, so Mustafi was able to come off, you know, where he had two physios, one either side of him, the old classic get the man off the pitch uh, thing. Um, so who knows? I mean, it could be, it could be months, but I don't think we're going to get any. Um, don't think we're going to get any info on it until probably after the international break and maybe with a with Arsene Wenger when he uh, meets the press ahead of the game against Watford this weekend. But a bit of a worry, I guess. You know, you don't want. Um, you don't want to have injuries. Um, I, I don't think it's quite uh, as devastating as it might be, but I think we're a bit light maybe in terms of centre-halves, particularly as Koscielny is still suffering a little bit from his injury. Well, I think that's the big thing, isn't it? I mean, Mustafi in isolation isn't necessarily a huge loss, but I think it all depends on the fitness of Laurent Koscielny. If he's feeling that Achilles again... It's hard to predict how long he could be out. You know, he could be back playing against Watford, but equally perhaps his his problem will sustain. They can really drag on. They have basically have to wait for the inflammation to settle generally, don't they? And mm. it's, it's always hard to call how long that will be. So if we're missing two of those, and bear in mind, Per Mertzaka was out for a little bit earlier this season. Callum Chambers has been out too. He suffered a recurrence a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, we we might be a, a little bit light in that area, so could be a worry going forward. Mm, maybe a case that we have to revert to a back four to ease up on our uh, our centre halves and put the extra man in midfield. Perhaps that could be a way of of dealing with the situation for certain games. Maybe. You could see how that yeah. could work. I, I don't see him dispensing with the back three in the Premier League. I think. I think if he was going to do that, he would have done it before now. But I do wonder about, say, the Europa League uh, and the League Cup. I've been surprised thus far that he has stuck with the back three and not used mm. the back four. I don't think we've really got the players to play three at the back but with a second string team. We haven't got any wing backs. We haven't got enough centre halves now. So maybe maybe four, you know, four at the back could make a return in those competitions just because we, that's what we've got the bodies for. Yeah, 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 yeah. I guess it depends on the opposition. I don't see why he couldn't use it in the Premier League if he wanted to. It's something that the players are, are very used to, uh, but it depends mm. on how many fit bodies he's got. I mean, Chambers has been out injured uh, for a while. He, he only played 45 minutes of that Carabao Cup game against Doncaster. And that that was it. So I don't know how close to fitness he is. I guess we'll just have to wait until later in the week and get a an update from Arsene Wenger. There are other players involved. Obviously, Ramsey is playing for Wales tonight. So far, he appears to be okay as the game heads towards the halftime mark. Um, there's a cross from Ireland. Uh, Ireland up in the Wales half. Ooh, 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 ooh. Oh, easy save for the goalkeeper there. Um... Robbie Brady shot there. Um, but who else? Uh, Olivier Giroud, Granit Xhaka, Alexis, David Ospina. Um, who else? 
trying to think in terms of international involvement. Mohamed El Nenny has been involved. Hasn't He's he? been involved, but uh, Egypt won their game and go to the go to the World Cup. Alex Awobi, of course, got the winner for Nigeria to take them to the World yeah, Cup. Yeah, what a big goal that was for him. I think that's. Uh, I have to say, I think that could be a real moment in in his career. Um, mm. You know, when you see him interviewed, he's always very humble and he comes across as very willing to learn and all that kind of stuff. But I also feel like when you're a young player, you need these moments which make you feel like you really belong at that level, you know. Um, he looks around, he sees Alexis, he sees Ozil, he sees, you know, these players who've been there and done that and, and done amazing things. And, I, you know, if you're that kind of a character where you are a little bit humble, it might just take something to, to, to really cement your the feeling that you belong in a team or you belong at that level. And I hope that that goal is it for him. You know, to score the goal that sends your country through to the World Cup is, uh, is an amazing thing. And, uh, you know, it'll, it'll do wonders for his confidence. And probably as this season goes on, he's a player we're going to have to depend on a little bit more. So the more confident he is um, coming out of this little period of his, his career where he didn't quite uh, play as much as he would have liked or convince as much as he would have liked, I think it's a very positive thing. Yeah, and coming off a goal in the Brighton game as well. Mm. I mean, that's what you want to see from him, contributions to the final third. He didn't start the Nigeria game. I think he came off the bench, but uh, a, a massive moment for him. And I mean, it's impossible not to you know feel... I always had a tingle in my spine watching those celebrations. It clearly means an enormous amount. And he he must feel pretty vindicated in his decision about his international future. I mean, when you watch that England team, uh, I don't think he's missing out really by not being part of that. No, maybe England are the ones who are missing. I mean, they ignored him at youth level for two or three years. He was a part of the youth mm. setup and then was ignored routinely. Was it by Gareth Southgate, who was the... Well, he was the under-21s at the time, so mm. yeah, potentially that he would, he would have been a factor as well. Yeah. I think it was right from the under-18s, though, that it won't be sort of... Um, was was a bit out in the cold with England. And yeah, when you look at his progression, it's, it's definitely a loss. And he's not alone. I mean, there's been a couple of other players who've not so much defected, but ultimately pledged their allegiance to uh, other countries. Mm. So a uh, bit of a concern for, for the FA, but... As, as Arsenal fans, I don't think we're particularly bothered, especially as it looks as if AFCON is going to move to the summer. Is that confirmed yet? I certainly talk about it. Yeah, I think that was confirmed. I'm not, to us. Yeah, I'm not quite sure from when, but certainly, yeah, the the, uh, the issue of losing players to the African Cup of Nations in January was always uh, a difficult one for clubs and difficult one when you have a player who might be one of your key players uh, going mm. away. You know, you think about Colo Toure going away in the past. Uh, Emmanuel Adi Bayor. Um, though his problem, Kanu as well, a little bit. The problem wasn't so much them going there, it was coming back. They always seem to take ages to come back. Yeah. I think in Adebayor's case, wasn't that just because he was just went, having a party? Was, was he, <laughs> he was just having a party. There was someone, I'm sure, a few years ago. Um, but yeah, look, I mean, uh, Alex Awobi is someone who I actually am really excited to see him back with the first team. If he's, I don't know if he'll start the Watford game at the weekend, but I just think that, as you say, there have been a couple of little boosts to his confidence. He had the Chelsea game, then he was out for a little bit, but he came back against Brighton, scored the goal. He's gone away with his international side, mm. been a hero out there. I really hope that this can be a, a turning point for him because international uh, events can have a massive impact on a club 
a player's club career. Think of Andrea Sharvin when Russia didn't make the World Cup. He was absolutely mm. devastated and arguably from that point his Arsenal career kind of nosedived. So let's hope it's the inverse with Iwobi. Yeah, yeah, it would be good. It would be good. He's obviously going to come back and be full of uh, full of confidence and we've got a lot of football when we come back. You know, there are, well, I think seven games between the 14th of October and the 5th of November when there is another interlull. So between Europa League, between Premier League, between Carabao Cup, there's a lot of football to play and I think we're going to need him. And, uh, you know, if he continues on this trajectory, then, you know, it's great for us because, uh, you know, having a having a player of his skill set, I think, is, is really important. He does give us something in the final third. He's not quite Ozil. He's not quite Alexis. He's not quite Welbeck. He's, he's got his own qualities and they're usually pretty useful. So, so, uh, yeah, it would be great if he were, were to come back and, and make a big impact. So, um, What else? Is, is there anything else that's been going on in international football? I mean, I, I honestly, we, we touched on uh, El Nenny with Egypt. I can't, I can't think of anything else necessarily. No, I don't think so. Um, I mean, Chile have got to beat Brazil on Tuesday night uh, or Wednesday morning, whenever it takes place, and they've got to beat uh, Brazil, I think to get into, to make sure of a place uh, at the World Cup. Um, so Alexis will be Otherwise, going all out. have a playoff, I guess. Yeah, but do, should we give a fuck what happens to Chile now if they go to the World Cup or not? It would be something, wouldn't it, that the one season that they don't qualify for an international tournament is the one where Alexis is about to leave. That would be, It'd be very fresh for Man City next season. Um, yeah. No, I suppose he, he probably won't be classed as an Arsenal player by then, or if he, if he is, it'll be in... In name alone, um, I, I honestly, to be honest, I, I I can't really get too excited about this World Cup. Can you? I don't know if I'm just fed up and bored of international football, but I'm really f- sort of struggling to be particularly interested in it. Yeah, I know where you're coming from, but I did see a, a few clips over the weekend where people were reacting to their team going through. There was a clip of uh, mm. the Egyptian. Uh, what's a guy at Liverpool? I Salah, as well. you know, and you, yeah. you hear the uh, you hear the commentator commentators breaking down in tears. You know, I see some of the the Icelandic people that I follow on Twitter are hugely excited at the idea of of Iceland going to to the World Cup. Um, I think they're winning uh, as we speak. Um, mm-hmm. You know, there was yeah. another. You know, you see these clips and it means so much to so many people. But maybe because it's you're looking at that England team and you're looking at a team that. Not that, not that it's hard to identify with, but that doesn't really excite you in any way. Uh, yeah, you could be, a, you could be, uh, you could find it a, easy to be indifferent. I think um, when yeah. it, when it's so Maybe. regular, you know. Yeah, maybe it's 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 not dissimilar to how I kind of fell out of love with the Champions League because I was sporting Arsenal in it, yeah. and it, uh, you know we, we were we weren't very good in it, and it maybe became a little bit boring for me. But yeah, maybe I look maybe once I switch my allegiance to one of Wales or Ireland, the whole thing's going to change. I'm going to have a new perspective. I'm going to be so excited about World Cup 2018. Mm. One of Wales or, or Iceland or Iceland. I Iceland think that's would yeah be a really good team to support. Yeah, I do like that uh, terrifying chant they have as well. No, where they all kind of yeah. go, Ooh. like you know, like Vikings that are coming to to pillage. Um, <laughs> it is it is quite good, um, but yeah, I mean, I think that's part of it is just seeing fans enjoying it for what it is and not being so 
cynical and so um, fed up with the same old, same old, um, which, you know, maybe applies to Arsenal as well at times, but uh, that's neither that's neither here nor there. I do have some uh, questions, I, I think, about one of the other big stories uh, that broke today, that one that uh, involves Mark Overmars. I don't know mm. if you've seen that one. Probably have. I have, I have, but I, as far as I'm aware... The source isn't necessarily the most reputable. Is that is that fair to say? Yeah, it's uh, Tutto Mercato Web, which is uh, you know an Italian website. So I'm a little bit uh, confused as to why an Italian website is reporting news about uh, a Dutch club and an executive going to England. Um, so it's 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 a bit hard to take too seriously at this moment in time. But as a discussion point, I think it's a decent one. So why don't we take a little break and uh, we'll come back with. Part two, we do that? Yeah. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome back to the Arsecast Extra. This is the part of the show where we answer the questions that you send to us on Twitter at GunnerBlog and at Arsblog and also on the Arsblog Facebook page, which is facebook.com forward slash the Arsblog. So uh, I'll let you go first, James. Okay. Uh, this question comes from Callum, who's at Cal Arsenal. Uh, and Callum asks, with Mustafi out, Mertzaka ageing and holdings inconsistencies, is it time to give Callum Chambers a run in the side? It, it might be if he were fit. That's the issue. We don't know if he's fit. I mean, I think there are some question marks. to be fit, I think. Yeah. Well, I mean, he is uh, at I, some I, I point. I mentioned it the other day. At some yeah. point. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> he has to be, unless he's going to spend the rest of his life uh, semi-injured. I'm, you know, he's got to be. We take that as granted. But I we tell do, you we what that's point. like. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, um, okay, let's say let's let's hypothesise that he is fit and that he's recovered during the international break. Is it time to give him a run inside? I mean, or would that be a bit of a gamble, given that we've seen him play forty-five minutes of football, you know, all season? I, I think it's time to give him a run in maybe the Europa League and the game in the Carabao Cup. That's where I think it's time to give him a run. I mean, even with Mustafi out, we could field. Uh, a back three of Mertesacker holding a Monreal, which did pretty well in a little game, James, called the FA Cup Final. If you remember, 
well they indeed. were they were pretty good that day, and uh, you know I think there's there's reasonable quality there. There's obviously Lauren Koscielny as well. We know there are worries about Koscielny and his Achilles. He won't be able to play every game, but hopefully he's not going to be out for anything long term. Uh, so he's back in the side as well. So you've got those four in there, um, uh, and then Chambers, I guess is the next in line for a place in the team. I do think if he's going to be part of the squad, then we do need to give him playing time. I think he's he played well at Borough last season. I don't know if you would you would start building your defense around him or anything like that, but I think he's got to he's got to get some game time. He's got to get some playing time in the Europa League, got to get some playing time in the Carabao Cup. Um and it, you know the situation, the defensive situation may demand it because it is it is one over which there are some question marks. You know, Mertesacker is in the final year of his contract. Koscielny does have this ongoing Achilles problem. Monreal is, what, 31, uh, coming 32 years of age? 32 this season. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, he's, he's heading towards the September, October of his career, if you like. Mustafi then... I suppose the most experienced, but then you've got Holding and Chambers uh, as the next guys in line. So, I, you know, I think the manager has got to think about the central defensive situation, but I think you could say that about uh, a number of the situations uh, and positions that we have at this moment in time. When you look at the team and you look at the profile of some of the players and you look at the situations of some of the players, you know, we talk about Alexis and Ozil, well, you've got to start thinking about life without them. And you think about central midfield... And he's got to start thinking about how best he might uh, make that area stronger. You know, Jack Wilshire could leave next summer, for example, on a free transfer. And you're left with Coquelin, Elneny, Xhaka, Ramsey. Ramsey heading towards the final year of his contract. Is he going to want to stay? You know, th- there are big issues. Goalkeeper, I think, is, a, is an issue. Um, so, yeah, th- there are there are question marks over a lot of uh, areas in the team. But I think in terms of Chambers, yeah, if he's fit, give him a, give him a run um, in those uh, tournaments. And then, you know, if he plays well enough to force his way into the manager's thinking, then cool. So if Koscielny can get himself fit, but Mustafi's still out, is Permataka your first choice to come into that back three alongside Koscielny and Monreal? Yeah, I would I would like to see that. I think there's good experience in that back three. I think the middle role probably suits Mertesacker well uh, in terms of the way that he uses the ball and reads the game. And you've got two uh, quicker, more agile guys in uh, Monreal and uh, Koscielny. Uh, either side of him, I think that could be a combination that works well. But I think Holding has done okay when he's come in. Um, you know, he's uh, he's shown that he's got plenty of potential, but obviously still a young a young centre half. So we'll uh, we'll have to see. But yeah, I, I would like to see Mertesacker get a bit of time. I don't think he'll he'll play that often. He can't play all the games because uh, you know the the legs won't do it anymore, and we've got to protect the the players that we have a bit. So that's why I think the rotation in those uh, tournaments. Um, is, is going to be important. It's funny, I mean, uh, you know, people didn't seem that upset about it at the time, but obviously in the light of Mustafi's injury, there have been a few questions this evening about Gabrielle and Dylan Byrne, who's at Dylan Burner, says, 
Did we jump the gun selling Gabrielle? I thought he had a bit about him, especially when we could have sold Chambers, who Wenger clearly doesn't like. I mean, are, are you pining after Gabrielle now that Mustafi's out? No, I don't think I don't think I am. But you know, he would have been a handy player to have in the squad. I mean, there's no there's no doubt about it. But how how many players can you can you keep? I mean, I think the Chambers situation yeah. was one that was really interesting, just from the point of view that Wenger seemed to change his mind on him. He was open to selling him. And then when Crystal Palace came looking for a deal, he wanted they wanted $25 million or something like that for Callum Chambers, which, you know, I, I like the guy, but that's a, that's a lot of money for, for, a, for a player maybe who's on the out, you know. Um, so maybe Wenger likes Chambers a bit more than we thought. Um, they wouldn't let him go on loan as well. So I don't know. I don't know if you can pine for Gabriel, but you could certainly say, yeah, at this, at this moment in time, we... We maybe could have done with him. Um, did we see an awful lot of Gabriel in a back three? I'm not sure we did, did we? Well, he had, uh, I mean, probably his, one of his best ever performances for Arsenal. Oh, in the semi final. Against Man City. Yeah. yeah. I think he played on the right hand side of the back three in that game and he was uh, outstanding on that day. Yeah. But, um, I mean, that's a relatively anomalous performance, to be, to be honest, during the last two years of his Arsenal career. I don't think we should get carried away about. Uh, about Gabriel, I mean, he was a good athlete and I think he was more comfortable in a three than a two because I think it hid some of his deficiencies mm. as it does with some of our other defenders. But uh, it's interesting, you know, you say Arsene changed his mind on Chambers. It almost felt as if what really happened is that he changed his mind on Mustafi and he started considering losing Mustafi and at that point, mm. keeping Chambers became a necessity. So it, it is an interesting one. I think uh, I would love to see Callum Chambers get some game time. I think it's a bit too soon to put him into you know the Premier League eleven, the first choice eleven. But mm. he's going to play those Europa League games. He's going to play those League Cup games. And if he does well, Mustafi's absence does offer him an opportunity because, as you say, Per Mertzaka can't play all the time. So there's there's going to be chances here and there for him. Yeah. All right. Well, here's a question that comes from Tom Rust. And uh, just going back to something we were talking about a little bit earlier, uh, he's at Tom underscore Rust 18, who says, the long-term goalkeeping situation at Arsenal looks an issue. Should Wenger target a new keeper in the summer and who? Good question. I mean, it, it obviously is an issue. I mean, even if David Espina was under contract, I'd be worried about the, the long-term goalkeeping situation, given the mistakes he's made for Colombia on international duty. Mm. Um I, I had to write an article the other day. I had to research an article for Bleach Report where they asked me to survey Arsenal fans about which player outside of the, the kind of traditional uh, Premier League top six they'd like to see come to the Emirates Stadium. And it, I was actually taken aback at how overwhelmingly people voted for uh, Jack Butland. A lot of a lot of uh, people suddenly threw Butland's name into the ring. And he's someone who's been talked about as a player Arsenal have watched before. And... I hope that is the case because he's a promising young keeper and I think he's got a lot of ability. We've seen him perform really well against us for Stoke on a couple of occasions and uh, we need something there. We mm. need something there. But in, the timing of it is difficult, right? Because Petr Cech, I don't think, is necessarily going any anywhere, anywhere so, anytime soon. I don't think he's he's close to retirement necessarily. I think he's the sort of goalkeeper who could play on for quite a few years yet. So you need to convince somebody to come in 
you know, knowing that they're they're not going to be a, uh, an undisputed number one. In fact, they might they may even be playing number two. Um, so it's it's a difficult thing to get right. But I would love to see the club go out and buy a mm. uh, an exciting young goalkeeper next summer. Say I don't know a Polish international who's proven himself in Serie A. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I have to say he is the one that that uh, catches my eye, Butland. Um, you know, as as a goalkeeper of potential, I think there's at times a tendency. Oh, Robson Canu nearly just scored for Wales. Header uh, tipped over the bar by Darren Randolph. There, um, we shouldn't buy Darren Randolph, by the way. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think Butland is the is the standout candidate as a goalkeeper. You know, I'm not aware of the goalkeepers on the continent, perhaps who could be uh, candidates to to bring in, but. Uh, yeah, I think it's a situation we do have to uh, sort out. I, I, I think Petr Cech has been one of our better players so far this season. He, he's he been quite dominant uh, in games and at times when we've needed him to be dominant. Um, and it go, it's sort of gone under the radar a little bit because we've had those bad results. But, you know, we've had a good few clean sheets since the disaster at Anfield. I don't know that you could look at any of the goals at Anfield and and point the finger at him. But, you know, he is 35, 36 years of age. We can't surely be uh, thinking that David Ospina is the guy who's going to be our, our number one goalkeeper. So I think we've we've got to target somebody. I think we could bring in someone like Butland and maybe at 36, 37, Petr Cech could be the goalkeeper who plays the Europa League or plays the European games and the cup games. You know, you at some point you have to start future-proofing. And at times we've been a little bit slow um, to to address issues, particularly in the goalkeeping um, in the goalkeeping situation, the goalkeeping area. You know, uh, we had another little question here from uh, Bobby uh, Chakraborty. Uh, sorry about that, Bobby, but I did my best. Who, who's at, at Boblex, which is much easier to say. I should have just said that. Um, and he says, "Will Jens Lehmann beat the absolute shite out of Ospina if he drops another clanger?" I don't know if you saw Ospina's. Um, performance for for Colombia last week it was uh, yeah. error strewn I think you would say yeah I think I mean even calling it a performance is kind of putting it kindly it was a, a bit of a nightmare for him look I think uh, having Jens Lehmann there is fantastic but he's not he's not specifically working with the goalkeepers is he I mean I don't no. think that's his aspiration I think he's a, a first team coach and he works with the outfield players he's not a specialist in that respect but you know, look I think if you're Jack Butland and Arsenal comfy to you and say next summer look do you want to come to Arsenal I think even if you're not immediately because Petr will have a year left on his contract at that point I believe even if you're not immediately the number one, you're still going to get a lot of football. I mean, David Ospina's getting a decent amount of football uh, as things stand. And if Wojciech Szczesny's prepared to, you know, take that hit and have a year as somebody's deputy, then hopefully Butland would be too. Mm. The thing is, it, it wouldn't come cheap. You know, you're talking about an English player, an England international. Uh, I mean, what did Everton bought the, the guy for £30 million, pounds, was Pickford. it? From Sunderland. Pickford, exactly. So I think you'd be probably looking at at least that sort of money for somebody like Jack Butland and the question is is Arsene Wenger prepared to bite the bullet on it and spend mm. big money on a goalkeeper um, they will need to do that uh, look it's a necessity and I don't know how Emi Martinez is getting on actually in, I don't in think Emi Martinez is even playing for uh, Getafe really no I don't think so um let me just see that's, that's not particularly encouraging no it's not is so, it yeah 
Mm. You know, I, I, I think we probably, when you, when you look at what we might have to do next summer, you could see how goalkeeper would be easy to be overlooked because you might have yeah, to replace definitely. Ozil, you might have to replace Sanchez, you might have to, well, you might, you, you probably will. You might have to replace Jack Wilshire in the squad. Um, you may have to strengthen at centre half because Per Mertesacker is retired. Uh, you know, I think we need a midfielder anyway. Uh, you know, is Olivier Giroud going to stay next season? You know, if he's not playing regularly, et cetera, et cetera. So, you know, I think there's, there's, there's going to be a lot to do um, next summer. And I think if he can get away without spending any money on a goalkeeper, he'll be, he'll be happier to do that, I think. Oh, oh, goal for Ireland. James Whoa. McLean. James McLean. Uh, Ireland got the ball down the, the right-hand side. It looked like it was going out, and the, the Irish player stopped. And the linesman's sort of wag, uh, wave play on. You know, ball stayed in. He got right to the byline, cut it back. Someone stepped over the cross, and McLean just bashed it in with his right foot. And he's a very, very left-footed player. Uh, they're just showing a very, very sad Joe Ledley there. They're going to show a replay of the goal here now. Wales threw it out short. Ireland blocked the ball. There, oh, it looked like it was going out. No, it stayed in, stayed in, stayed in. Cross. There it is. There it is. What a good finish that is. So Ireland 1-0 up. That's a very good finish. Mm. That is a very good finish. So, yeah, I, I think the, the, the money will be spent elsewhere. I don't think it will be spent on goalkeeper, even though I think we really could do with a goalkeeper. Um, because I, you know, I'm now terrified of Ospina playing. I hope Petr Cech stays fit for uh, for the entire season. So, uh, yeah, there we go. Sorry. Maybe, maybe given the amount of work that will have to be done on the squad, you're right, and they will think, well, we'll muddle through with with Cech and Martinez for a year and uh, address the situation. Mm. And another twelve months on, it you know, like a lot of things at Arsenal, sooner or later it's going to come to a head, and we've got a bad habit of letting these things drag out. So, mm. yeah, it wouldn't be a great surprise if they did the same with the goalkeeper. And um, listen, you talked there about uh, players who might be leaving next summer. I actually had a question. Um, I suppose with one eye on January. Mm. Where was it? Ah, yes, it was uh, W Halls, who's at Drzombie on Twitter. Drzombie. <laughs> and they asked, uh, does Giroud leave in January now that he's lost his starting place in the French national side? I don't know if you saw this, but uh, our very own Alexandre Lacazette started ahead of him uh, in the international break. Um... Will he? I don't know. I thought I saw some comments from uh, Didier Deschamps saying that, you know, because Giroud is not playing, then that he's going to have to reassess his role in the team. Um, and Giroud spoke about how he nearly signed for Everton, actually, um, mm. in the summer. But does he leave in January? No, I don't think so. I don't think we can afford to let him leave, to be perfectly honest. Uh, he's a guy who has a, a relatively uh, steady contract. He signed a new deal last January, I think. So um, I think when there are so many doubts about the other players, about Ozil, about Sanchez, about their commitment, you know, um, and their futures, I don't think we can afford to let Giroud leave. So for me, no. But I guess it depends on, you know, Arsene Wenger. If Giroud is very unhappy, if he feels like his chances of playing at the World Cup are going to be damaged by this, maybe he might um, decide to leave. But, you know... 
You've seen that happen with players in the past as well. Like uh, Matthew Debushi, if you remember, he, he agitated and agitated for a loan and then went, I can't remember, I think he went to Bordeaux and got injured and Bordeaux. missed the European Championships, you know? So uh, I think he will probably be better served staying because I think he's a player who can still make a, a good contribution to this Arsenal team and does give us qualities that, you know, we, we could be very important in certain games. So no, for me, for me, that's no. I have another semi transfer uh, question here. Uh, it comes from Nick uh, talking about Ozil and Sanchez. And he said, uh, given recent rumors, do you see their situations derailing our season again? And um, would you sell both abroad in January if we were able to? I, I have to be honest, I've seen a lot of transfer stories about. You know, Mesut Ozil going in January and Manchester City preparing bids for Alexis Sanchez in January. I I don't see that either of those two going in that month. I just think those were decisions that had to be taken in the summer. I think to sell them in January would be... Mm. Well, it would be almost as bizarre as rowing back on what you've said on deadline day and trying to do a deal <laughs> then. Um, but I, I do think that having made the decision to keep them for the season... I think that is in all likelihood what will happen unless things really deteriorate in terms of the relationship between uh, the players and the manager and, and the wider club. I think I think they will be here until May. But looking at the situation now, it wouldn't surprise me if those last few months of the season maybe, uh, I don't know, maybe they, you know, once our kind of fate in the Premier League becomes a little clearer, it wouldn't surprise me if their roles in the team diminished a little bit just because we've seen that so mm. so many times uh, with players heading towards the end of their contract what do you reckon I you know I can't see them leaving in January unless they get uh, the the an amazing offer from an amazing club in January I can't see it because they're going to go on a Bosman in in June or July where they've got that signing on fee that will be paid uh, I mean I think the ideal situation would be perhaps to sell one of them in January because we could use the money to, to bring in a, a player um, to help replace them. But it's whether or not you can convince the player to, to go. I don't know if you can, given that they will have um, the the option to go on a Bosman. I think that's that's an attractive thing for them. You know, there's a reason why they've let their, their um, contracts run down. You know, but I do think that we need to do something in January. I think we need to do something big in January as a football club because... If we get to June and Ozil and Sanchez are, are gone and Wilshire decides that he's going to go or won't sign a new deal or the club don't offer him a new deal and you're losing your two-star players, uh, it's going to be very difficult to deal with, you know, because you're taking a step backwards there. I think the club would be taking a step backwards because these were the guys that were supposed to bring us to the next level and we sort of got halfway there maybe and then... Didn't make the most of it. Um, but, you know, how do you convince players to come and join? How do you convince a player to say, look, you know, we want to win things, but our two best players have just left. Our two biggest superstars have left. How do you convince Ramsey to sign a new deal or Welbeck to sign a new deal or, or, or anything like that? You know, so I think if they were to start future-proofing in January to make a signing that made a statement uh, in January, I think that would help. I think that would help the situation. And I hope that they're doing that. But I think we have to remember, Dick Law is gone. He left at the end of September. So, you know, as as, as hard as we found it at times with a chief negotiator and Arsene Wenger and Ivan Gazidis, we now don't have a chief negotiator. So, um, 
that that's going to be an issue. But I do wonder if that maybe ties into the Overmar stories, the story that he has agreed to leave Ajax and he's found an agreement with Arsenal. But it seems to be seems to be based on it happening next season. Um, so I, I I don't know what you make of this. I mean, uh, his his time at Ajax has been a bit mixed. Um, mm. We have some questions here. Uh, some, spin some. to win asks. Uh, at Spin to Win with Mark Overmars, seemingly negative tenure at Ajax. Are we hiring just another yes man who's willing to work with small budgets? Um, and uh, Joe Ward, Joseph A. Ward asks, what's going on with this one? And not that I'm against it, but it seems a strange one given he's had a mixed, uh, I think there must be another tweet here, response at Ajax, a, mis- a mixed response. Yeah, I mean, he hasn't, he hasn't been overwhelmingly popular there. No, he hasn't. In fact, you know, I remember uh, I wrote a little piece saying, you know, Mark Overmars would make sense as a sporting director at Arsenal. I think it was probably 12 months ago or something like that. And the amount of people who came back to me who are based in the Netherlands or Ajax fans themselves, just saying, look, he's not been a popular figure out there at all. He's not well thought of, um, was significant and uh, made me look rather stupid mm. but <laughs> um, I you know do your research James was the lesson but uh, it, you know I, it's a tricky one isn't it because there's an emotional part of you that goes oh former Arsenal player you know install him as your director of football install Per Mertzacker as the head of your academy you know can Mark Overmars he's got a good relationship with Dennis Burkamp could he bring him with him it's, it's an exciting prospect in some respects but you know, this is a practical job we're talking about and we, an executive role. Mm. Uh, and we need somebody who not only understands the football side, but can execute his responsibilities effectively. And I must, you know, as is clear, I don't know enough about his situation at Ajax, but uh, it does seem that he's he's been far from a, a total success. There. Mm. So, look, we, we don't know the veracity of it. And it's a funny one, isn't it? Because Dick Law's gone now and this story is saying Overmars could be coming over at the end of the season, but there is mm. so, so much work to do between now and then. Yeah, yeah. I know we did bring in that new contracts guy, but that's a, that's a different thing altogether. I mean, I suppose the thing about Overmars is the reason it makes sense is because he's one of the only players who is um, former players who's working in an executive role at a football club. I mean, there are players mm. who are coaching and who are managing, um, but nobody is moved into sort of boardroom stuff and he's about the only one so yeah I don't know I don't know what to make of it to be perfectly honest um I mean there is obviously the need for Arsenal to do something in that regard but um yeah I don't know I don't know it's just another one of those things that we've got to sort out and and who's going to make those decisions and who's going to bring in uh, those people I don't quite know um I mean he seems like a smart guy over Mars but uh, yeah, I, I can't say I know enough about the way that he's worked. All, all I do know is that, you know, I saw the reaction to the piece that you wrote as well. And, um, yeah, it would be fair to say that, that opinions are, are are very mixed. Yeah, yeah. And, I mean, they can't be... In, I mean, he, that he's on a shortlist. He said, you know, they are looking at people. And I think he almost admitted there'd been some contact with Arsenal. This was before the end of last season. Uh, but they can't be giving it to him purely for his Arsenal affiliation because he's, you know, as much as he was a great player for us and won the Premier League with us and won the double, in fact, he's not exactly Mr Arsenal, is he? I mean, he was here for a couple of years and then he went off to Barcelona. So it's not like giving the job to Tony Adams or something. Um, 
if they if they're hiring him, they must have their reasons. But yeah, uh, I'm taking that story with a pinch of salt at this point. Yeah, I think a fair pinch of salt is is. Uh... Is reasonable. I think you're right as well. He wasn't exactly Mr. Arsenal. I remember that UEFA Cup final and uh, himself and Petit were fucking <laughs> annoyingly bad that night, like they'd sort of down tools. Um, yeah. So, yeah, it's not like you're bringing back a, an absolute uh, uh, and total legend. He obviously had some great seasons with us, but, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll have to wait and see. Um, we have a couple of uh, a question here from Facebook, and I could see one on Twitter as well. Um, it's from uh, Charsenal Gunner uh, on Twitter, uh, who says, thoughts on Christian Pulisic. Is it Pulisic? Is that how you say his name? Uh, Pulisic. Pulisic. Yeah, I believe yeah. so. He's uh, the American um, uh, player. He's at uh, Borussia Dortmund, and we have one on Facebook as well, uh, who's Travis Poole, who says, what are your thoughts on Christian Pulisic? He's tearing it up for uh, Dortmund and the U.S. Should we make a move before it's too late? I mean, he does look a very exciting player, I have to say. Mm. Uh, you know, 19 years old. Um He's had a good start to the season with Dortmund. And look, I think Arsenal would really, cynically, I mean, Arsene Wenger would never think like this, but they would love to have the the bright young hope of uh, North American soccer in their squad. I think, you know, that would be a massive marketing opportunity. Hey, if only, if, only we um, had a, if only we had an owner with some kind of connection to the great United States of America who could perhaps use his connections <laughs> in the sporting world. <laughs> I don't think he's bothered. I don't think he, no, I don't he, think he knows who Christian Pulisic is. That's no. for sure. I mean, one thing I would say is Dortmund managed to extract 100 million quid for whatever it was, maybe more, was it, for Dembele? Yeah. Um, something crazy like that. So if you want Pulisic, you're going to probably have to pay something astronomical as well. But, uh, yeah, I, I like the clips I've seen of him. I mean, it's early in the season, though, and... Let's see how he performs over the course of the campaign. It, I also think that if, if Ozil and Sanchez go, do we need someone who's a little bit older than 19? Do we need someone with a bit more experience to come into those roles? It seems, you know, we've got a couple of exciting young players like Alex Iwobi, is, is, uh, Reese Nelson. It seems like a big ask to fill those boots at such a tender age, no? Mm, yeah, it does. But I do wonder if it is, if that's the way we might have to go. When you look at the way transfer fees are, when you look at what players are commanding, you know, someone like Dembele over £100 million. Now, of course, that was because Barcelona just got £200 million, uh, for Neymar that we know that played into it. But, you know, if, if you look at the cash we've got in the bank, I think the Swiss Ramble, Kieran was talking on the podcast last week about having maybe £70 or £90 million pounds to spend. In this current climate, it doesn't go a long way. And it doesn't go a long way when you need to replace uh, Mesut Ozil, and Alexis Sanchez, you know, the contri- the contribution that they made last season, for example, between them, I don't know, 45 goals, uh, you know, between goals and assists uh, between them. It's it's a lot. It's a lot to replace. Um, so I do wonder if that might be the way that we have to go, that we have to, you know, bring in uh, slightly young talent, even someone like Thomas Lamar. Um, mm. Oh, what's going on here? Oh. Oh, yellow card. Someone just kicked Aaron Ramsey in the head, I think. Is that Ramsey? I believe um, Croatia have scored, which means Wales... I think Wales need a win at this point. Croatia Uh, or Serbia? Oh, 
Oh, God. Right. I've not, not done that, have I? I don't know. That's terrible if I've done it. Hang on. I, I don't even know who's in who's set. I just saw that on Twitter. I'm going to find... Right. It was Serbia. Yeah. Hang on. <laughs> I've got that wrong. But who did I see? Right. Phil Cadden. Don't be angry at me. Phil Cadden at PJ Cadden tweeted, Croatia have scored, so Wales need to. I did not confuse Croatia and Serbia. It was Phil Cadden, the assistant sports news editor of the Sun newspaper. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, I'm saying nothing. I'm saying nothing to that. Direct your complaints to him. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm sure they've got a very uh, rigorous complaints department at the Sun uh, from time to busy. time, people might busy, have expressed. Sure. Uh, anyway, Ramsey's back up. He didn't get kicked in the head. He got a little, little bit of a straight arm uh, across the face. So, uh, what was it going to? What were we? What were we talking about? Uh, January. I think we should. I think we should go all in for Thomas Lamar in January. That's what I think. You know, why didn't it happen at the end of the window? We left it a bit too late, but it seemed like Monaco were on for it. It was just too late for him. He was about to play for France and, you know, we didn't give him enough time to get his head around the idea. Bring him in in January. If you can sell one of uh, Ozil or Alexis, then fine. But if not, just keep them because uh, they're good players and they could be very, very useful. But you've got Lamar and you've got a candidate then to replace one or the other of them. And, you know, if Iwobi continues his development, then, you know, I'm not saying Iwobi is going to do what Ozil did or or Lamar is going to do what Sanchez did. But at least you have uh, started to... to to uh, to address the issue, and I think we do need to do something in January to um, to 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 sort of give everybody a spark. Doesn't it feel like we need a spark? Like if you do remember how excited everyone was when Ozil signed, it felt like oh my god, this is amazing. This is you know a real rush, and it doesn't feel like we've had that for a while. I know we've won the trophies and everything else, but just in terms of the way the team has been developed and the the signings that we've brought in. You know, we, we haven't been able to match that quality. I'm just looking at the uh, the goal here that Croatia just scored. <laughs> uh, it's not Croatia, of course, it's Serbia. Um, yeah, it was a goal. The guy kicked it and it went in the net. That's uh, that's all you need to know. That'll happen. That yeah. will happen. That will um, happen. By the way, this was a question that I wanted to ask mm-hmm. from, from Facebook. Danny Undigrandi, which please let that be his real name, he says, is that you, Andrew, that I pass on Camden Street some mornings? Yes, it probably is, Danny Undy Grundy. Um, what are you doing on Cam- what, What's on Camden Street? Uh, there's lots of good stuff on Camden Street, actually. There's lots of bars and restaurants and stuff on Camden Street, but it happens to be a street I walk down on my way to the studio. My studio is on uh, South William Street, which is uh, near Grafton Street in in Dublin. But uh, I walk in from my house. It takes me about 45 minutes to walk in uh, uh, to to the studio. And I always walk down Camden Street. And it could well be that that's Danny Grundy Undy um, who's passing me by. Now, I, I pass by quite a lot of people. So I don't know what Danny Undy Grundy looks like. I feel like someone who's got that name. You should be able to recognize him. They should have some kind of distinctive feature. Um, I'm looking at his avatar here on... Oh, uh, uh, his avatar looks... Well, it's Angela Lansbury is his avatar from Murder, She Wrote. So, so if he I looks see, exactly like Angela Lansbury. Yeah, so if I see Angela Lansbury walking down Camden Street, I will say, hey, that's you, Danny Undy Grundy. 
but yeah, no, it probably is me. And uh, do feel free to say hello um, if you want. I- I'm always happy to uh, to stop and chat and stuff. So, ah, there you go. Mm. You've made a friend. Isn't that what podcasts are for? Absolutely, absolutely, or not. But anyway, you know. <laughs> um, let's see. Do we have any more? Um, who have we got? Oh, I had one. Yeah, I go on. To ask. Okay. It's from Nick Singer on Facebook. And he said, what do you make of the abuse that Oxlade Chamberlain is getting? I don't quite get it. I don't quite get it, really. Um, Yeah, me neither. It's pretty vehement, isn't it? I mean, it rivals that of players who've left in very acrimonious circumstances. Yeah. I mean, I don't think you could accuse Oxlade Chamberlain of behaving in the way that someone like Van Persie did or Nasri did, for example. I don't think there's any way you could do that. But I think his departure was very much coloured by that performance at Old uh, Old Trafford, I was going to say. Uh, it has happened there. Um, at Anfield, I think that has really coloured the perception for some people. And obviously, there's a bit of schadenfreude. He's, he's, uh, he's been on the bench quite a bit for Liverpool. But I mean, they spent £40 million on him. They obviously see something in him that they're going to develop and they're going to try and, and do for the next four years. But yeah, I don't quite get it. Like maybe once when he's on the bench, but like every time he has a bad game now, there's just a an avalanche of vitriol aimed his way. And uh he always seemed like a nice guy, the Ox. You know, not the best player. Didn't develop the way that we wanted him to. But I don't, you know, when you saw him interviewed, he was always personable. He was always quite humble, quite funny. Seemed to, you know, enjoy being at the club. Um, and I think maybe to for that vitriol to be aimed at him simply because of the Liverpool game or maybe dicking around with the contract situation. But yeah, it seems a bit over the top to me anyway. I agree. I agree. I mean, I look. I actually liked him as a guy. He seemed like a really, um, yeah. He seemed like a fun bloke. He always, I always thought, you know, if you're going to hang around with one of the Arsenal squad, he seemed like one of the ones who'd actually be quite good company. Uh, I know that's not what we employ people for as a club, um, but you know, he, he wanted to go and play for a, in a different position. He wanted to play as a central midfielder. He couldn't do that at Arsenal. Apparently, he turned down more money from Chelsea in order to mm. go and do that Anfield. I don't know if that's true. I mean, if his agent's got a skill, it's putting out stuff in the press. So, um, you know, who knows how, how true that is. But if it is, I mean, that's sort of quite commendable, really, in the yeah. modern game. I mean, we might not like it as Arsenal fans, but uh, I, I think that's fairly decent. And, uh, yeah, yeah, I think it's a bit over the top. I mean, he's clearly playing absolutely appallingly. I mean, don't get me wrong, I've watched some of the little highlight reels and I have enjoyed it. <laughs> uh, but that 40 million quid, it's it's funny that we got a lot of money for him if he plays poorly, but it's only worth anything if we do something with it. Yeah. You know, and I'm I'm much more focused on that and, and what we do with it in January or, or next summer, hopefully January, mm. than what happens to Oxlade-Chamberlain there. All right, well, here, here's a tweet from uh, Kike Marin. Have you see follow that guy? He's a Spanish journalist, tends yeah, to have a good bit of information from time to time, a little bit ITK. Um, and he says Arsenal, he says it in Spanish, by the way, he says Arsenal have made an offer to Overmars to leave Ajax and come back to London. Mark is thinking about it. So there you go. So maybe it's an offer to come back 
now to be our new dick. Mark Overmars can be our new <laughs> dick law. So maybe that's uh, well, that, that's something that's happening. That would make sense. I mean, we need somebody in that role. I, I would say we need someone in that role rather urgently. In fact, you know, I, I think we should have brought in someone in that role at the end of last season as part of Arsene Wenger signing a new contract. Mm. That didn't happen. But with, with Dick Law gone, I think it's absolutely necessary. So whether it's Mark Overmars or somebody else... Let's hope they're working on it. All right. Uh, final question then for tonight. Uh, comes from Chris Evans, not the one who uh, used to present that, that TV show on a Friday night, uh, presents Top Gear. And not, not the, the one film star who, one either. Not the I film guess. star one either. A different Chris Evans trying to make his way in the world, like all the Chris Evanses before oh, him. Bless him. And he says, is sure. a career in sports journalism possible or should I just become a teacher? Um, I don't know is you know that's my catchphrase I know but I mean it's it does seem difficult doesn't it but then people really like reading about football Mm. that's well he says sports there's all kinds of sports like car racing boxing power fishing Power fishing sounds excellent. I would watch it. Yeah, power fishing. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, look, I don't know. There's probably power fishing. There's probably a power fishing channel on Sky if you look hard enough. Mm. Um, sports journalism. Uh, I, I wish I knew about other sports. I have to be honest. The amount of times I thought, if I knew one thing, about cricket, mm. I could get more work. <laughs> but, but I don't. You're uh, you're in a very niche outside of Arsenal. Yeah, that's true. And some might say, no, sorry, I won't go there. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, it's very niche. Is it possible? Of course, it's possible. Lots of people do it. And uh, you know, if you're a good writer and you you work hard and you apply yourself, then why not? I mean, think about this, Chris Evans, not Chris Evans, the film star, or not Chris Evans, the presenter of Top Gear. Think about this. Do you want to spend your life? watching sport and writing about sport? Or do you want to spend eight hours every day in a classroom with 30 children who are loud, annoying, demanding, and smelly, probably some of them? I think it would be fair to say. Invariably, there will be one or two. Yeah, there's always that kid, isn't there, who's got, like, bogeys hanging out of his nose. Did you have that kid in your school? Like, he always had the green... I think I was that kid in my school. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So, I mean, it it seems to me that, you know, for for peace of mind, for life... Because you only get one go at life, Chris Evans. You only get one go. And I think it's too short, and I'm not taking away anything from the people who teach. It's an amazing profession. There are people who are, it's like a vocation for some of them, I'm sure. Um, But I I just couldn't do it. I have done it. I have taught. I've been a teacher, an English teacher in Spain, and uh, I I didn't really enjoy it, I have to say. Although I did enjoy, like, when I was leaving Spain, the end of the term, I was teaching a a class full of... um, there were probably nine or ten these kids, and they were they were just before the age where they went, oh fuck this, fuck learning. Why am I doing this after school? Having been all day in school, they were actually open to learning some stuff. And um, there were three or four of the little kids, and they they got me a card and a present uh, at the end of the term. 
because they knew I was going back to Ireland. And they got me a little wallet. It was really nice of them. And then they got me a card and I opened up the card and it said, Dear Andrew, thank you for be a good teacher. <laughs> I was like, oh, fuck this. <laughs> fuck this. I'm going to write about sport. Yeah, fuck this. I'm going to be a sports journalist. So there's my advice, Chris Evans. Be a sports journalist. <laughs> Good um, advice, good advice, and, and spoken with experience. Yes, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, ooh, 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 Wales on the attack here, but Ireland defending stoutly. The ball is being pinged around the area. Oh, pe- ooh, ooh, cross, back post. Oh, Ireland get it clear. Ireland have been tremendously good at just fucking lumping it out of the area tonight. I'd say the Optus stats will show that Ireland... Made seven thousand clearances. Yeah, pass completion's not going to be good. <laughs> pass completion two percent, but they made seven thousand clearances. 2%, seven thousand clearances <laughs> and one nil win. Amazing. It's um, total football, guys. It's just like that. Du- yeah, like exactly that Dutch stuff. All right. Well, look, we'll we'll leave it there. Um, apologies for the uh, slight interference on James's mic tonight, but we should have that fixed before uh, before the next one. It's Watford at the weekend away from home. That's going to mm-hmm. be a tricky one, actually, isn't it? That is. Uh, yeah, they're on form. They're 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 playing pretty well. So um, yeah, we'll have to get straight back into it after the uh, the international break. But uh, thanks for being with us, and uh, we'll catch you on the next one. Until then, bye bye. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. 